destroy the doctor. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. TGIF Indeed. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, courtesy of your good attention to our show. We do appreciate you for that every week. We also appreciate bad boy Benny Mathers keeping us on an even keel there at the board. How are you, Benny? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, virtually connected like most uh, parents and children are right now as everyone's headed back to school this week for the majority. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so back in the day, what was that? We had protractors, compasses, uh, the TI-8182 com- uh, calculators. I know those were really big during my school years. Um, uh, notebooks, trapper keepers. That's about it. <laughs> I that- go back to a time. You're talking to a boomer in my case. Yeah. Calculator, what do you need with yeah. that? When you can have a, a slide roll and you got the, the pocket protector. I believe, yeah, I believe abacus. <laughs> Did you have an abacus? Is that was it? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That, that was a little before my time. Oh, actually. my bad. Oops, a little too far. <laughs> I but I can it. count Benny, and he, and Benny, of course, is, is a standard DJ and well-known around Seattle in those circles. But he's also a handy guy with numbers when it comes to sports statistics. (laughs) Now, here's one. And we have a very important guest we're going to bring on momentarily. But I had to throw this at you, Benny. Vegas Golden Knights against the Vancouver Canucks, the Pacific Northwest (laughs) team. All right. So last night, I stayed up late. And I'm watching Vegas in Vancouver. Vegas gets 48 shots on goal to 23 for Vancouver, and the Canucks win four to nothing. Right. So that's what we call a statistical anomaly, and they forced the game seven and thereby got Suzanne Mitchell and myself interested in this hockey season. I thought it was kind of a hokey joke, you know, oh, they're going to hand out a Stanley Cup and then start the new season two weeks later. What are they going to do? And And fake crowd noise and all that. And now here we have the second round leading to the conference finals, Three, three this weekend, game sevens from teams that were down three games to one. Unbelievable. I'm going to go. <clears throat> it's Dusty in here. Vegas, Vegas <coughs> rigged. I'm <coughs> sorry. What? Excuse me. <laughs> I just kind of dusty in here. I need to dust more. Um, yeah, I think Vegas is a big name in there, too. Uh, and it seems like more sports teams over the last few years have gone further, and it hasn't been a blowout. And I think that has to do with uh, some uh, position of some monies. That's just my opinion. I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, this this postseason, which is yeah. a weird season in the NHL, is, yeah, well, is excellent. All, all of a sudden, it's excellent. And our local team, the Tampa Bay Lightning, yes, the Bolts are waiting. They're looking at their watches and tapping their hockey sticks. They are waiting <laughs> for the next round. It's going to be very interesting to see how all this turns out. So good to have you with us, Benny, yeah, as always. Pleasure. We are delighted anytime we can welcome a first-time guest, and that is the case today, Suzanne. We love our first-timers. Dr. Drayvon James is the founder of Everyday Peace, the host of Everyday Peace on Unity Radio, an inspirational speaker and life coach, and the author of Freedom is Your Birthright. As an inspirational speaker, Drayvon's goal is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams no matter what shows up in their lives, good, bad, or otherwise. 
There's much more to find out about our guest today, which we will ask her. Her website is drdravonjames.com. We'll be sure to give that out again before the end of the hour. And first timer, Dr. Dravon James, welcome to Manson Mitchell. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you guys today. We uh, found out that you and I come from the same town, the Windy City. And I was a North Sider and you were a South Sider. Were you a White Sox fan? I was, and I still am. I'm not, you know, I usually go with whatever town I'm in. I'm in Maryland now, so I'm an Orioles fan, but at my heart, white, you know, Sox fan, of course. Well, at my heart, a Cubs fan, and so I was happy to see them get that pennant back in 2016. <laughs> we lived to see it. <laughs> we, we lived to see it. We lived to see the White Sox years earlier beat the Astros, and they won a World Series for the first time. Uh, In fact, they were in the World Series for the first time since 1959 when I was a real youngin in Los Angeles, and they played the Dodgers and lost, but this time around they won. And now we'll see what baseball looks like. I don't know. Hard to keep track anymore. These are crazy times for sure. But Dr. James, we're delighted to have you with us. And uh, there's a Chicago connection here, Suzanne being from... Born in Chicago, lived a lot of her young life in uh, Glenview, Illinois, lovely bedroom community, then did her time in Evanston as a Northwestern wildcat and came down here to Florida back in 2011. You, in the meantime, got your education, higher education, I should say your uh, you know, your postgraduate education, at Creighton, wonderful university. How's this for a deal? When I was living in Seattle, Back in the day, for a short time, I dated a lady whose parents, mom and dad both, were on the faculty of Creighton, and she got to go there virtually for free. It's good to have the family and friends discount. And she was very proud of her fine arts degree from Creighton, and she hardly paid a dime for it. Don't you envy people like that? I mean, if you've got that kind of good fortune, flaunt it. That's what I say. I know, and I'm so, you know, I have my I have two nieces, one's in engineering school, they're in college the same way. My sister's worked at a university uh, there her entire life, and her kids get to go practically free. I'm like, oh, I wish I had been so smart. <laughs> One of the things that came out in your bio is the fact that when you were in college, you, rent, you read Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking. And when I read that, I smacked my head because it just seems like people who are on the metaphysical, spiritual path have been influenced fairly early in their lives. Gary was influenced that way with his reading. I was influenced that way with my reading. And by the way, I also read that. And that seems to have put you on a a track for the rest of your life. So say a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm so happy to talk about that book. It actually was the summer before I left for college. So I was 17 years old, and my brother, who was 16, gave me that book He's, you know, as a gift. And I, I, Well, I thought it was a gift. He actually took it off my mom's bookshelf. <laughs> but anyway, he had read it, and he thought it was a great uh, book. And when I read that book, I, to this day, I still get like this little tingling sensation when I think about my first time reading it. Because, you know, it's a small book. But I read it, and it just touched something inside of me. I must have read that book if I'm, maybe 20 times at least before I left for college. And 
when I read it, I knew, I just knew that whatever was done for me by the reading of that book, I wanted to do for other people. I already had a heart to serve and to be of help, and I thought it was in healthcare. and I've been a pharmacist for 30 years. But when I read that book, I realized that there was something that happened that was beyond the physical. There was this opening of a door, if you will, of my true self and being limitless that, oh, my gosh, it was the most uh, life-changing experience. And I've had a lot of experiences, but that one right there set me on the road. I'd never even heard of a motivational speaker prior to, to reading that book. But I knew, I said, whatever just happened for me, I want to be a part of doing that for other people, helping them heal from the inside out. The, the flesh is fine. You can heal the body all day long, but if you're still suffering inside and not really knowing your connection to greatness, which makes you great, um, all the physical health in the world won't matter if you, if you still have this state of suffering. Isn't it interesting how a, a book can launch us into a whole area of our lives that we didn't even realize was there? A, a door opens, and then all of a sudden, you go through that door, and it's it's really life-changing, isn't it? It really is. And the, the funny thing about it is that I, I have this I had this heart to serve. You know, I had a pretty rough childhood growing up in poverty, but the one great thing that my mom did was that she kept us in church on the weekends. I, I didn't think it was so great when I was younger, but we went to a New Thought church on Saturday, and then we went to a Pentecostal church on Sunday. If you know anything about the Pentecostal faith, at least the church we went to, it was all day Sunday. Like, when we came out, it was dark outside. And so when I sat through those to that entire weekend, there was something that I always connected between that experience. Like, it seemed really similar to me, although the practices and the rituals that you do were different. And my mom would always say to us, now, when you get to church on Sunday, do not mention anything to these people about the people from the New Thought Church. And at the New Thought Church, do not mention anything about the Sunday Pentecostal church. And I would say, you know, why? What's the difference? Because they would never understand. But in my mind, the messages were so similar that when I read The Power of Positive Thinking, although it didn't talk about life from a religious standpoint, it sort of was the, the glue that kind of bridged everything and opened a pathway to truth for me. It was like, aha, that aha moment, like, this really is true, that I am, my life is not limited by any physical stature. I am, I can go as far as I can go in my heart. You know, this, this, this is just amazing what a book can do for you. I agree. And I agree with all of the above, Drayvon, because not only did I read Dr. Norman Vincent Peale's book, I don't even know how many millions of people have purchased it and millions more have read it. But I also lived about 10 miles, I guess it was, from the Garden Grove Community Church, which later became known as the Crystal Cathedral Congregation. Dr. Robert Schuler, who is a, an avid fan and follower of Dr. Peel, had him as a guest speaker when Dr. Peel was very advanced in age, but he actually gave a great sermon there in the Crystal Cathedral. 
And I began to read Dr. Schuler's books, which, however derivative they might be, also represented his own voice in this community of a positive Christianity. And I took from that the idea that if all you do, and this is just my editorial opinion, okay, so I'll keep it brief. If all I do is wallow around in the idea of original sin, which encourages me, uh, albeit inadvertently, to think of myself as unworthy, as a worm in the dust of the earth, and, and not worthy of God's grace unless I keep up with my confession and I understand my sinful nature and the fall from grace, yada, yada. If I can do away with that and see myself as a worthy being in my own right because I was created by divine energy, I am an expression of God, of the divine, then I can stop beating myself up and get on with life. That was a fundamental lesson to me that I, I guess I'm still mastering, but I was exposed to it early in life. Yeah, that idea of um, letting go of shame, guilt, and condemnation so that, it, so that you can stand in your truth and in that truth be able to uh, help others defend that truth is, is an amazing uh, revelation because so often people walk around feeling like they are the uh, filthy, dirty rag, you know, I'm just a sinner, you know, saved by grace. And I've heard people say, well, you've been saved by grace, walk in the grace. Right. You can't be both. <laughs> it's interesting to me that you you did see the similarities in those two types of uh, events between the New Thought Church and the Pentecostal Church. I know that when we talk to a lot of New Thought people, they have given up religion to a large extent and say, I'm spiritual, not religious. And interestingly enough, I really do feel that same way myself in that uh, I do feel as though I'm a spiritual person, but I'm I'm more or less against organized religion at this point in my life, and I have belonged to many churches for long periods of time. So I'm curious to know where you stand religiously at this time. Do you Are you spiritual and not religious, or do you belong to an organized religious church? Yeah, you know, that, that statement, when I hear people say, I'm spiritual and not religious, I always take that to mean that you don't subscribe to a particular doctrine. You believe in the oneness of mankind and the oneness and this connection of oneness with God or a higher power, universal energy, whatever one would like to call it. I don't get uh, hooked up on the terminology, but the idea that I think people think of religion as the, the actual practices, like being in a sorority or something of that nature. You say, well, you know, I don't feel I have to participate in this practice. And those are just things to belong to that particular club. So when I look at religion like that, I said, no, that's not. And, and, and I have a great appreciation for people who love to join whatever that they want to join, you know, religion, churches, different denominations. I definitely grew up in a denomination. But I can't say that I'm religious in the standpoint that I subscribe to one denomination over another denomination. I could worship at any church and be just fine. The, the practices did not bother me. So I'm not down on religion, but I would say I'm a spiritual person because I recognize that no matter the lingo, we're all talking about the same thing. We're talking about this source. 
this energetic source, call it whatever, call it God, call it the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, call it whatever you want to talk about, call it, we're talking about the same thing. And I think a lot of times the terminology really is used to separate us. And sometimes the religious practices, when you get into the doctrine and people saying, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. There, there, <laughs> there used to be this commercial that used to come on TV that said, there are no rules. And I really do believe that, that there really are no set rules. We're going to go through this journey life. We're going to have experiences. And the point of every experience is to connect more with source in the midst of what we would call chaos, in the midst of what we would call trauma, is to connect more with source. And so the idea of being connected with a religion or not being connected with religion is not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. I'm not a person who says, oh, I'm not religious. I'm Drayvon doing life as a spiritual being. And if I get invited to someone's church, I'm going to have a great time there. If I get invited to a new thought organization, I'm going to have a great time there because the message is so similar to me. The practices are different, and they're just practices. Thank you. That was was a a very complete answer. It was interesting that you talked about some of the religions as being like sororities or clubs, because I really do see the value in them. Gary and I have been members of a church in Sarasota, and I can see the value of getting together with other people to be in service to whatever it is that is going on. I was, for a time, I was helping to schedule ushers and greeters, and and Gary was on the board. And I think when you talk about organized religion, it is like a sorority or club where people can get together, be together, work together, be in service together. And I think there's a very, very positive aspect to organized religion Uh, There can be, I mean, as long as everybody isn't fighting. Um, But this idea of I have all the answers and this is the only and one right way makes completely no sense to me because I Um, like what you said about the oneness. That's really what underlies every religion. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because that idea of my way is the correct way and there's no other way truth exists in every profession. I mentioned I've been a pharmacist for 30 years, and as a hobby, I've studied uh, naturopathic medicine and uh, herbal medicine, and I I have some colleagues who just cannot fathom. It is pharmacy, traditional medicine, or nothing, and that exists in every industry. So when I go to certain practices, religious practices, I hear that, and I just realize that this is mankind, humankind, doing what we do. We need a, sometimes we need this to box ourselves in so that we feel safe in our thinking and we're not ready to, to venture out in our thinking because we realize that if I go beyond this thought, then I'm over there, I'm not safe. And I bring up pharmacy because it's healthcare, you know, it's drug therapy. And that idea exists a lot with my colleagues who have studied and they're like, no, I'm not interested in naturopathic medicine. I'm not interested in the study of our herbs. I only believe that this is the way to healing. You get that over and over again. And we get that in, in religious practice, too. So I see that as being the individual, not necessarily the, the whole sum of an organization. That's just your point of view, and that's where you feel safe. 
when I think of the pharmacological world, and that's that's where you do business, and I'm sure make a wonderful living. But Drayvon, when you when you see spiritual matters or a spiritual emphasis on life, taking the metaphysical view of life, as I like to call it, abrading the world of pharmacology and of standard Western medicine, the medical model, and the the role that prescription drugs plays in maintaining life, despite the fact that there may be a list of side effects as long as your arm, <laughs> in some cases, how do you reconcile those two? Does it feel sometimes like you're juggling their perspective so that now this is the me that believes in spirit, and now this is the part of me that is advising someone on the judicious use of a drug meant to save their life? How is it that you keep all of that in perspective? Oh, I love that question. And actually, I get that a lot. So to me, life is not linear. It's a one big circle. And so everything, and this is the foundational premise of my organization, Everyday Peace, is that everything that shows up in your life, absolutely everything has shown up for one purpose, and that is to bow down and serve you, right? And so pharmacy does that, that linear part um, mixes in with everything else. It gives me a different perspective. And I love having all of these different windows, if you will, to look into. And I'll give you this funny example. I, um, I, I, I'm an administrator now, but when I was actually practicing, I had a gentleman come to me who had been suffering for a long time, same element, same prescription. And after a while, I got to talking with him. He became friendly. He actually was a, a, a preacher. And I started talking with him about, you know, he's been taking this medication, what's going on? And I said, I'd like to talk to you offline about something else. And so if you're interested, we maybe could do lunch or something. And we did. We went for a coffee and we just talked. And I said, here, I do a lot of reading and researching about some other things. And as a pharmacist, as in, in my role as a pharmacist, this is not part of my practice. In my role as Drayvon, however, I embrace the whole world. And everything that's in it, I know has use. So we talked about some different things that I had been researching for herbs and this and that. And he called me back. He says, I'm so glad that you were able, that you were willing to talk to me. I hadn't seen him in a couple of months because years of suffering with that one problem, that one alternative medicine, if you will, helped to alleviate that. So I think there's room for everything. And, and, and everything has its season. Like there is room for everything because everyone's got that herbs and you know if you presented and said you were having a heart attack and I just stood over you and said well it's time to join in prayer and dance and we're going to pray this right through you I think that would not be serving you well but if I was to add that to traditional Western medicine we do we do emergency medicine very very wonderful job of that in our country we do emergency medicine very well there's some things we could do better with preventive medicine but we do emergency medicine very well so I would say let's get this heart attack let's get you stabilized and then let's talk about a few other things on the back end once we bring you around you know the the way that you're talking Drayvon reminds me of the fact that um, you know, that there are a lot of choices and that you, from a certain perspective, the, the divine intelligence has created all of it, not just some of it. So, 
so that you know I myself much prefer a, a more natural way of handling whatever is wrong with me. And if there is a particular vitamin or supplement or herb, I'm all for it. And then there are times when I have had to take a pharmaceutical drug and, and rather than saying, no, I'm not going to do that, I, I say yes, because God's in all of it, not just in the herbs. God is in the people who put together these drugs that will help you with whatever you know problem that you need. And, and so I think it is good to just open your, your focus a little wider to accept more into it. And that sounds to me like what you've done in your life. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. You and God, like you said, God is in all of it. And the beautiful thing about us being individuals, because faith, whatever whatever we have faith in, I, I talk to people all the time and say, I don't believe. I say, oh, you don't believe in this, but you believe in something, right? So what, whatever you have faith in, if you say, I need people who decline uh, Western medicine because of their faith. And for them, I think that's the right thing to do, because if you come to, to the table and you feel like I'm already here in the energetic presence of this will not work. As you say, this will not work. So you're already in that frame of mind. Let's go to where your energy is saying this will work. And then maybe we can work backwards to, yeah, you do need an antibiotic. This is not going to go away on its own. You do need to take some medication for your heart. This is not going to heal on its own. But until you get there in your spirit, in your energy, it just will be taking pills for the sake of taking pills. Excellent. That's also, and we're going to take a break here in about a minute, but that's a curious thing. You're not a believer, as I tell you, certainly I'm not, in taking pills for the sake of taking pills. I like the kind of physician, and my own doctors, going back any number of years, believe in not being pill pushers. They try to get you off medications. These these are ethical men that I have, and I'm sure many female doctors as well would be of the same mind. Uh, take a pill for this. Here, I just, you know, talked to the, the uh, pharmaceutical rep the other day. Here's a sample. Try this. I don't like to have that kind of loose, laissez-faire approach to pharmaceuticals. I think it's important. They're great for what they're great for, but I don't like to think that the answer to everything that ails a human being resides in a pill. And here I'm talking to somebody who who knows this stuff like the back of her hand and decides, I'm sure judiciously, where it can be best applied and where maybe you need to stay away. There's a strong ethical consideration there. Oh my goodness, yes. And you, you know, you look as a pharmacist. I look at everything first from this Western perspective. But then we treat the whole person, right? And anything that we do, religion, everything, we treat the whole person. And so, if you're a person who comes, and that's my personal feeling as well, I share that with you. That let's see what we could do with that before going to medication. What, what, what are our alternatives? Maybe, do we need to have some more mindfulness practices? A lot of the stress and this all the stuff that we're under, do we need to tweak some other things in our life before we get to this point? So that's my own personal preference. And when we look at the whole person, we have to figure out, like, where are they in this? What, you know, what research have they done? What are their beliefs about healing? What are their beliefs about healing? I love that. We're going to go ahead and take our one and only break from this hour. When we come back, we are going to talk about stress in these times because it seems like most people have some kind of stress going on. And Dr. Drayvon James has 
several ideas to share about everyday peace and about three steps to turning stress into peaceful moments. We're going to get her formula for doing that when we come back. So stay tuned, and thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. More and more these days, it feels like sports are losing out to hype. Who dissed who? Who signed the fattest contract? Who got busted for cheating? Lost 2 is the unique capacity sports have to inspire us, to unite us. Well, great news, sports fans. Sports are still being played for the right reasons. They're still as entertaining as they are character building. You just have to know where to find it. And you only have to look as far as your local Washington High School. You know, the place where the games are exciting, concessions are affordable, and the parking is free. Where the emphasis is on hustle and heart instead of hype. If you prefer real, honest-to-goodness sport played for all the right reasons, you'll find it at your hometown high school, High School Sports. Games are being played this weekend at a Washington High School near you. Okay, everybody, who's in? This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed for the first time Dr. Drayvon James, founder of Everyday Peace. Her goal is to educate, empower, and inspire others to build the life of their dreams no matter what shows up, good, bad, or otherwise. On Saturday, we spin the platters as we play DJs for a day with Labor Day music as we take a break from our working life. Bringing you mastery and mystery one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and... Thank you, Chicago. Feeling stronger every day. Feeling stronger every day. That is in honor of Dr. Drayvon James. She and I share the fact that we were both Chicago-born. I'm living in Sarasota, Florida. She's living in Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore, Maryland. But uh, but we have that in common. Anyhow, Dr. Drayvon James, if people would like to connect with you, uh, get your book, find you on social media, your uh, radio show, please tell our listeners how they can do that. Yes, I'd be happy to. So 
to follow me on social media, you would just go Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James, and that's D-R-A, B as in victory, O-N, James. And that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I have a show that comes on under the same name, Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. It's a live show that airs every Monday, 5 to 6 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time on the Unity Online Radio Network. So if you just go Unity Online Radio, uh, you can catch the show live at 5 p.m. on Mondays, but you could also visit the archives there uh, for that particular show. It also airs on a few other uh, stations, also Apple iTunes and Google Play. So that's how you can get to me there. Um, if you want to I have a free offer for people, I have done a free course called Seven Ways to Discover Your Passion. Because what we all want to live a life full of passion, that'd be so great. So it's absolutely free seven-day course. And if you email DrayvonJames at gmail.com, say free offer, and you'll get that sent to you. And what else can I tell you? Oh, about the book, Freedom is Your Birthright, because it is. And when you learn to live free, it's a game changer. So Freedom is Your Birthright is a tiny, um, what I call a tiny book, and you can read it in a day. It will change your life. It's available on Amazon.com. And I want to tell you about free college courses. There is an institute for leadership and lifelong learning. They're offering free courses, selected free courses. I happen to teach a course with them called the 2020 Clarity Course. So that's on the Institute for Leadership and Lifelong Learning. You can sign up there and find out what the free course is. It, it varies what they're offering, but they got some wonderful courses on there, and I like to think that mine is one of them. Well, that's wonderful. There is a lot of ways to connect with you, and your website is James dot com if people would like to uh, connect with you in that way so thank you very much you're very welcome dr james tell us about the everyday peace organization what are the fundamental principles i take it from your book freedom is your birthright that's a good place to start what's the the underlying message what is the it that you want people to get oh uh, thank you for that question so Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James, it, our mission is to help people discover how to use everything that shows up in their life. And I do mean everything. Those things that you love and those things that you cringe and make your skin crawl and you are just so uh, maybe scared to think about that you had to go through those things and the things that are in the middle. So everything that shows up in your life, how to use everything to consciously build and design and step into your next level of greatness. So the definition that we use for peace and everyday peace, I think, is very important. Peace is wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. We use this definition because it takes into account that in every life, a little rain must fall. Sometimes a lot of rain, but the rain is just as useful as the dry land and the sunshine, and we learn to use it all to get to our next level of greatness. And so that's the whole point of the organization is to help people build the life of their dreams using the tools and the situation that they're currently in. And you mentioned that Freedom is Your Birthright, which is my first book, is the first great place to start. And it actually is a great place to start because the understanding that we are all free 
in mind, right? So there are some conditions that may seem to be, uh, I talk about in the book, that uh, there's a close relative who was in prison, serving a lifetime sentence in prison, and so obviously the body is not free. But there's some things um, that we're all free to make decisions about that will change the whole uh, trajectory of our life if we would just accept that we are free. Freedom has great responsibility, great responsibility. So really getting that acceptance because you can't really do anything else. You can have all the money in the world. You can have the most athletic, healthy body in the world. But if you do not accept that you are free indeed inside, you'll forever live caged and limited. And that is a mental shift, a spiritual one as well, Drayvon, but it's the kind of thing that once it affects that fundamental shift in your thinking, your rocket is lit, your path is set, and you can motivate like you never did before. I mentioned this in the context of making a change in my own prayer life. I'll get a little personal here for a moment. Many, many years ago, I stopped asking for things like a supplicant, begging God for favors. I decided that wasn't dignified, nor was it particularly effective. So what I did instead was I began, I began to declare the truth of my situation, even though the evidence for what it is I hoped for was not present at that moment. I assumed the happy outcome, the answered prayer. And then I expressed my gratitude for what I knew was coming my way by invitation because I initiated the sequence of events by my prayer. And when I did that, one of the things I said was, God is not opposed to my having this thing, this relationship, this outcome, because if God were opposed to my good, that would be like a house divided and a house divided cannot stand. That's the denial aspect. Therefore, I declare this thing, it is my present good in mind, and the evidence will be forthcoming. Thank you, Spirit. And so it is. And with a prayer just like that, I experienced what I would call miracles, certainly from the standpoint of human perception, and this got to be a regular thing. And that's when I decided that I had been praying amiss for all those years going back to my childhood with the rote prayers that we all know, and the lessons from catechism, etc. And I decided to take control of my own destiny, knowing that as I did, I was divinely directed. Oh, my goodness. You have said, you've just done a lot of teaching in that moment. The first thing I heard you say is you define, you know, what faith is, you know, um, that thing that's in your heart, although your eyes can't see it. Once it's placed in your heart, it's already there. It's on fertile ground. It should be fertile ground. So you've, you've got to walk in that. You've got to walk in the solution and not the problem and have your focus on this. This desire is planted in me because it is the desire that I should be moving towards. So that it's in your heart. You have that. You don't need to yet see it because it births from the inside out. And that is such amazing you're right it's a game changer when it comes to our prayer life if we're praying and we're begging and we're begging and i love to think about this you know i've had two children who are now young adults and a teenager and you would think that you know a child would come to their mom and beg for dinner and beg for dinner and you would say what is your relationship with me i'm your mom what is this begging that you're doing why why, why, just say you're hungry 
you know. And so it says something about how you feel about me if you need to come each time and beg that way, right? So it says that we don't that we don't understand the relationship with the universe when we feel that um, this we have to present ourselves so low in order to get these little crumbs that fall, right? So that whole relationship to say, you know, you you come in your full self and you declare a thing a thing. And then in faith, you move in the direction of that. So you walk in the solution, not constantly saying, you know, with your head, your eyes cast down when I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, because you draw into you more, more situations. That's where your focus is, wherever the focus goes, that's where your life goes. So if you're constantly in this begging mode, that the energy is low, you draw more energetically a lower level of success. It's 100%. It's 100%. Understanding, you know, and oftentimes we find that we've had really, you know, difficult situations to have shown up in our life, and we allow those difficult situations. We give them the meaning. Of course, they have the hardship. You can't take anything away from that. It was difficult, but the key word there is was. You present yourself as a victor. You, You grab your lessons from that. You stand taller and say, okay, now knowing this, now having come through this, I stand ready to do this. I'm in position to do this. So There's a whole different way of presenting yourself to the universe and accepting your relationship with the universe. I really like that you say visualizing yourself as a victor, not a victim. I, I really like that. I also love the part because this is, this is where you become a verb. Drayvon was saying move in the direction of that for which you are praying. People will start to notice that, do they not? When you start acting like someone who believes what you pray, that that's a difference. People can see it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Drayvon, before we went on our break, I said when we came back, we would talk about three easy steps to turn stress into peaceful moments. And I don't want to end this hour without fulfilling that promise. So please talk a little bit about what those three easy steps are, because we all need to turn our stress into peaceful moments. And I love that. So let, let me go back to that. And I'm, I'd love to do that. Let me go back to the definition of peace, because sometimes we think of peace. I know I did. When I started on this journey, I was 17 years old, and I thought I was looking for, you're going to laugh when you hear this, I thought I was looking for how to have a life with no problems. That was my definition of peace. If it's peaceful, God, there'll be no problems. Ready, set, go. Make it peaceful. Right? So I've soon learned that peace is wholeness. It's completeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Learning to live in this moment with whatever this moment is bringing. So having that as our definition of peace, you know that everyone can get there. And the first thing is you have to have a desire. Step one is a desire to know you, like you want someone else to know you. You know how we get in those relationships. And we, you know, I just wish they understood me better. You have to have an authentic desire to know yourself, because when you have that authentic desire to know yourself, and that becomes your focal point, you're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm noticing things about myself. I call them, sometimes I do these body scans where I'll notice, oh, am I feeling some of my feet to the top of my head. What am I feeling? Am I feeling anything in this region of my body, in this region of my body? And I just keep going up. And if I finally feel like, oh, well, I do feel something, maybe in the pit of my stomach, what's that? Why is that there? What am I thinking about that's putting that there? Because 
a lot of our physical conditions first start as mental situations that we ignore. We don't. We have this tape recorder playing in the back of our mind that we just let play and play and play. Oh, you're an idiot. You're a failure. You'll never make it. You're unsuccessful. Look at you. Another mistake. And it's just this recording just playing, and we've got it on the little volume just low enough to be ignored but loud enough to make a difference in our physical life. So we stop and we say, why am I feeling that way? And we listen to ourselves. We listen to those thoughts that are running on repeat in our brain. So that first step to living a life of peace in the midst of chaos or anything else is a true desire to know yourself. Start doing body scans. Start listening to what the thoughts are, that that self-talk that doesn't come out of your mouth but stays in your head between your ears and the most precious real estate. And then once you do that, decide. Decide to forgive yourself for everything. It is so stressful when you're living in the same body and condemning yourself for all of your mistakes, all your should-haves and, you know, could-haves. You're condemning yourself and you're expecting a blessing. You're expecting a breakthrough. You mentioned earlier about a house divided amongst itself. Quite, quite frequently, we're that house. We're the complete, we're dividing it. We have this, we, oh my gosh, I can't forgive myself for this. And how could I do this? And how could, how, how did that, didn't I know that? And how, instead of saying, in that moment, when I did that, when I said that, I was doing the best I could with the information that I had. Now, sure, I made the more information out there. I didn't have it in the sense that I didn't embrace it and make it my own. And we decide to forgive ourselves in that moment. And then we learn to listen in the stillness. Every answer, and, and I mean this so sincerely, I could give you hundreds of stories. Every answer to every question that you have is inside of you. It's already there. It may not be the exact answer, and I want to give you this quick example. I was coaching a guy one time. He called me. He said, they have just said they're going to fire people on my job, so people have been fired. I'm scared. I said, well, if you're scared, you need to go outside and just take a little walk. He was, what do you mean walk? I need to do something. I said, just take a walk. You go outside. And... So he went outside, and he took a walk. He met another guy who had been fired a year ago, bumped into him. He told him what was going on. He said, oh, I'm the hi- I work for HR at my job. We're hiring. Give me a call. He was indeed fired that afternoon from that job, but he had just ran into that. The answer is inside. If he would sit still. So his answer was, you know, nope, it's not my coaching time. I'm stressed. I'm calling her now. Oh, I love that story. Right? When you get to the place where you sit in stillness, that answer is there. You're like, I don't know. Just listen and be obedient to whatever. It's not telling you to fret. It's not telling There are no answers that say, Right now, your best your best bet is to sit there, panic and fear. That's that's that. Nope. That's the mind running that pattern again, and we've got to sit down and watch it and say, okay. And no condemnation either when we're watching. Say, so, okay, I see you're doing that again. I'll give you a few minutes with that because we're going to be able to sit here with each other. I'm with you. You're with me, and we're talking to self. We've been together forever. I'm not leaving. You're not leaving. Let's let's reason with each other. I'll give you five minutes on that panic and fear, and then we're going to come over here. We're going to sit in this stillness. I like that approach too, Drayvon, because you're not, you're denying fear as the ultimate reality, as something that needs to be determinative in your life, which it does not. But by the same token, when you have the 
nervous response and your blood pressure goes up 30 points, etc., you are experiencing fear. It's just that you don't have to keep it. You don't have to do anything but acknowledge the fear. Acknowledge, but do not make it first place. Do not honor your fears because those fears are standing in your way. Oh, my goodness. You just, and you're so right. Do you know this, that whenever you turn the light on, the shadow disappears, right? And so when you acknowledge your fear, this is something, I was a person who had a lot of fears, is why I'm so passionate about it. When you acknowledge the fear, and you know, I'm not going to condemn myself. I'm fearful. So, you know, there's fear again. That, that's a light bulb turning on just a little bit. And the fear is like, what? You turn the light on? You're going to look dead in my face? I can't exist when you do that. That is very true. I've also found as a practical matter, and this goes back to my 20s. I mean, I started to notice this back in the 1970s. I thought, I don't know how this works, but I need to pay attention to this. I don't want to lose track of it. I have found that when I ask myself, which is a good excuse for talking to yourself, when I ask myself questions about a situation or even as I'm searching for information way before the internet came along, way before Google, I would ask questions of uh, what is the, uh, the capital of Malaysia? <laughs> what do you ask you that question for? Because at that moment I wanted to know. <laughs> I know what is the capital of Malaysia? And all of a sudden I turn on a PBS special. They were making a tour of Asia, right, on this program. And I'm just with this TV program on. And days earlier, days earlier, it's the capital of Malaysia anyway. And then I'm watching PBS and the narrator says, in the Malaysian capital of Kuala Lumpur. There and I'm going, thank you. Okay, I was wondering about that. And I began to notice that if I asked a question about much of anything, if it was something that was on a need-to-know basis, in other words, if it was relevant to my life and my purposes, the universe had no problem and today has no problem in providing me with the information I need to go forward. Now, that's a little miracle. You know, one of my favorite stories, Drayvon, which is along similar lines, was one time Gary and I went to a diner and we were talking about um, the car license plates and what the various um, sayings are on license plate. Illinois is the land of Lincoln. And, you know, we have the first state, Delaware, and the sunshine state, Florida. And, and Gary said, um, what is what is the uh, uh, what is the saying on the New Mexico plate? And I, I looked at him. I said, I'm I'm really not sure. And then what do you think? A car pulls up to the diner with a New Mexico plate on it. Land of enchantment. Land of enchantment. While we're eating, he had his answer that fast to what is what is the New Mexico saying on their license plate? Can you two I mean, uh, in, uh, ask the universe if uh, the executive producer of your show is going to get a raise in 2021? Just putting it out there. If, <laughs> if you just, you know, I'm kind of maybe asking just loosely, just you know, think about it. It's possible. Well, the, the bad news is I, I get answers whenever you're in mind. Ah. I bring out the crystal ball, Benny. Unfortunately, <laughs> the answer is always the same: tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, hey, I'll work with that. Work with me. Nice save. Nice save. I'll, I'll, I'll look for 2022 now. 
So there are answers to everything. It, you can ask the questions and without even searching on the internet, those answers can come to you in a song, on a billboard, and a car pulling up to a diner in so many different ways. If you're paying attention, don't you find that to be true, Drayvon? Yes, and if you're paying attention, and that's where the stillness comes in. These guys have said a few things. One, you're resonating at the energy level of the answer and not the problem, not the question, right? You say, you know, what's the capital of, what's the, what's the sign of, what's the uh, slogan on the New Mexico? And then we're right there. You, you release it, you're, you're now resonating with the answer. So now the, the question's out there in the universe, and bam, the car pulls up. And this is how it works. It sounds, I know, maybe for some listeners, like this is impossible. The second thing you have to be is what you just said. You have to be paying attention. So that means that now your physical attention, which we all can relate to, we tell our kids all the time, sit and pay attention, right? So now our physical attention has to be geared to the answer. You already got the question. We, we put it out there in the universe. We we'll keep, we'll keep focusing on the question. The same thing with stress, right? The same thing with problems. I think the problem's well defined. You've lost enough sleep over it. Now, let's say, what's the answer to this? And let's resonate with that. Let's put that energy out there. And the answer is there. It's just now with practice, with faith, because we all believe in something. Sometimes we spend so much time believing in the problem because we can put our hands on it. Sometimes, you know, other people will touch and agree with us on the problem. But we've got to say, you know what? I now have faith that I can resonate at the energetic level of the answer. Energetic level of the answer. And to those who would say, well, that's all nice and fine, but what you're talking about is great if you're watching Jeopardy, you might get the answer right. That seems trivial. And I say, I remember the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, paraphrasing, and those words are, in God, there is no great or, or small. small. Right. Neither. It's all one. So if you've been divorced for 10 years, you wonder if love will ever find you again or will you find love? Where's Mr. Right? Where's Ms. Right? The answer from the standpoint of the universe is no weightier a concern than trying to remember the slogan on a license plate because it's all one and the universe is perfectly capable of delivering answers to you that will help you live your life better. That's some of the best news oh. I could hand anyone. Yes. Oh, I just want to say this. So that, so that you realize this, so this is what we don't want to do. Our freedom is your birthright. That the answer lies within us. Do I choose? Do I choose to make the shift? The, the universe is the same. Here are the answers. Do I choose to say I'm going to let go of the belief pattern that this is too hard? This has to be painful. Do I choose to say, got it, but I switch my mindset and say, I now focus on the answer. Not that I have to have the answer, but know that the answer is flowing from me, through me, to materialize in the, in the material world. Dr. Drayvon James, thank you for being with us what today. What a beautiful hour. Yes. Thank you for joining us. We will do this again. Definitely. You all are marvelous. All right. Next coming up, we have the Christine Upchurch Show, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience, and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Manson Mitchell, back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150. Have a great weekend, everyone.